Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. lads i'm fucking so giddy i'm so <laughs> fucking giddy because i tell you what we didn't record the last two weeks and we didn't record the last two weeks because of circumstance and i have been itching for cans on zoom fucking itching something you've been itching for <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean I've been, i'm itching for a point too but we'll get on to that later on uh, but i'm giddy because it's, it's a fucking friday evening i have some lovely cans we went can shopping at lunchtime today and we got a few treats and it's just fucking, life is good, man. Life is good today. There are people enjoying a pint in the pub. I'm enjoying a delicious can that I bought on my lunch today. And I, I've got some fucking great people on front of me in Zoom on a Friday night on the Zoom. Uh, Owen, you're here as well, but we're, we're, we're privileged this week. We've got Wayne and Janice Stone from the uh, Irish Beer Snob blog and podcast joining us. I'd say, Wayne, we're in negotiations with two years, are we? Yeah, you finally satisfied the rider, so... <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. But we actually missed each other last year in um, in November when we was it November we were down in Waterford or was it no it was probably late summer August September maybe we, we were hoping to catch up for a pint at that time but sadly our, our diaries didn't align at that stage. Yeah, I think we were away at a fest or not. A, I was going to say a festival. I fucking wish we were away at a work conference or something that weekend. It, just, it was just really unfortunate timing, but um, long over long long overdue and um, absolutely. I, I just, I, lads, I can't get the fucking smile off my face because I'm really enjoying the can today. Do you know what? I don't know what the weather is like up there in Mead, guys, but it's a miserable, blustery, wintry old day here. So when we went to buy the cans today, I was like, fuck this, I'm going on the stout. So I'm feeling, I, I feel very um, homely and warm drinking stout in my, in my warm house. 
uh, looking out at the rain and the, and the miserable wind. Uh, it's definitely a stouter, all right. Like it's it's coming in that kind of that cool, crisp winter breeze is blowing <laughs> them on there, and uh, yeah, you just kind of want to be warmed up by a nice stout there tonight. Uh, maybe even a little bit of a coffee stout or something, just to kind of get you going, perking you up as well, I suppose. I mean, who the fuck calls it the sunny southeast? Because uh, it's not today anyway. Um, but lads, you're you're so fucking welcome to the podcast. It's it's a, it's a delight to have you on. Um, Janice, how how's how's the last couple of months been for you? Um, yeah, very very interesting. Yeah, I'm. Well, I've I've been lucky enough where I've been able to work through it. So I've been in and out of my my job. I work for a jewelry store here in Avon, and uh, but when he was away. Jesus, star fishing in the bed, drinking all the beer he can't. It was great. <laughs> That's great. That's what you want. <laughs> Selling the negative stuff. <laughs> but I didn't actually say to you the, last night, didn't I say to you, oh, Jesus, I, I love having you home, but I miss the treats that you bring. Yeah. Like, how are we supposed to get our caterpillars out and all the magic rock beers? We can work on that. And the donut, the donuts from Morrison's are the bit. I'm hold on, hold on. We need to dive into this a little bit more. What, what, what are these treats and what's, what's going on here? And why haven't yeah. we got any? <laughs> <laughs> because postage is prohibitively expensive. But um, yeah, so I, I was working in financial services. I am working in financial services, but for a brief Boring. period. Boring. Uh, <laughs> News. <laughs> But for a brief period of time, I was doing uh, subcontract, subcontracting work for DHL, which meant I was going back and forward uh, to the UK um, two or three times a week. So I'd be going in via Hollyhead in, in Wales. Now, if you, like supermarkets in the UK, are, are, they're almost trying to outdo each other in terms of their range of craft beer. So Morrison's will bring out, oh, we've got all these unique to us craft beers. Tesco will bring out, oh, I've got all these unique to us craft beers and so on. So... Literally in Hollyhead, I just stop on the way back and pick up a few random beers. So they're now unique to our fridge. <laughs> which oh, quite a lot of them, like on the basis of I can't get this back in Ireland. No. So I'm going to buy myself a large can of Magic Rock Cannonball, which is a seven point something percent West Coast IPA from a brewery based in West Yorkshire, where I lived a lot, where I lived for a while when I was a kid. Um, things like some of the Brewdog, Brewdog and Modern Times collaborations. And my particular favorite, and I just love it as lager is a very underrated style, but it's by a brewery from Bristol called Lost and Grounded, and they make a beer called Keller Pills. And he won't shut up about it. Anymore, it's just absolutely sorry. fucking savage. It's just great. I've, I've, I'm on a quest to find an Irish replacement for Keller Pills. You in did the find one. Well, I did, and that's the um, Dewdrop in Hell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is as close as I've got. It's probably slightly different style-wise, but in terms of ticking the boxes of crisp and refreshing, nice low ABV, would I crush six or eight cans of this on a sunny Saturday evening at a barbecue? Absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. Because Owen, you were you were mad looking for a lager today. Like you 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 said, like you wanted a stout, but you you on the five for sixteen, you were like, I've got these cans of stout now. Where's my fucking lager? Yeah, I, like. I don't know. I think just, and I think it's kind of maybe reflective of the like virtual. I was at the last virtual beer festival there, um, and it's you know it's just stock full of IPAs and stuff, and I love them. Don't get me wrong, I love them, but like 
lagers there's something just a bit more crisp or something about a lager as well that like it's just a kind of a change up for the books as well so yeah i, I don't know got i don't know i'm very i'm definitely a mood-based drinker anyway and yeah. um just today that, that kind of like christmas lager is what exactly what i wanted um and dj you had one kind of picked out for me there did i did i end up getting it i can't even, i can't yeah. remember I can't even. Remember. I, I, it was it was a it was a haze of drinks there that we had. Um, that selection was incredible, and I, mean, I was just kept going back and forth between the two or like several of them. So I actually didn't even know what I got in the end. We but, picked um, up, we picked up thirteen cans between the two of us, and it was a bit like fucking child in a candy shop, like um, cans candy you know, shop. Yeah, yeah literally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, is that the episode title? That is the, that is the title right there. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, I, I just want to redo 50 cents candy shop now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what he really meant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I was just going to say, like, it's one of those where so many appeal to me. I actually don't even know which, like, what, what, we, what we actually bought. And I put them in the fridge earlier, and I'm still not sure what I have in the fridge because... Oh. I, I looked at so many beers and actually like like speaking of podcast episode titles the cans on a plinth um we went into worldwide wines that i hadn't been in since lockdown on our lunch there uh shout out to worldwide wines and literally the plinth was the off-license equivalent of walking into grady's yard and seeing all the labels lit up along the bar this plinth was basically that but with cans it was just so inviting and this is the thing, part of what I love about independent craft beer is the fucking cans, the, the artistry on the labels, the inviting yeah. nature of them all. Like the, the, the fucking cans themselves tell a story. And it's like, it draws me in. And I, like, I'm literally, right, you want to see what the beer is about and all that. But like, I'm like, ooh, that's a nice label over there. <laughs> like, in front, like, like, it's almost like someone with fucking ADHD being like, no, shinier, better thing over here. And... Um, so I, I just think that, that, like, in fairness, to gain a bigger market share, they have to stand out with the labeling and the fucking graphics on the cans um, and the guys in the independent breweries that are doing that stuff. Like, fair fucking play to them because they're unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible. I don't know, like, like if, if even if you think of the likes of those kind of, like, larger, like, say, the Belgian or, like, German breweries and stuff like that, they all kind of have that kind of, like, old age like font like you know they kind of go for that kind of like classical byron look or whatever of them like you know whereas i think like the ones the ones here are just incredible like the art on them and like the way like it's it's that thing whereby they're not like too like too off the walls either that they're like i don't know too mad i know like yellow belly all right have like the yellow belly and it's just pure comic booky style but it's just even the way that is, it's so consistent, the way it's like yellow belly in the, in, in the art and then like he's surrounded by a, like a new background or has put himself into it, um, like a, a new scenario um, for each can is like, it's just so consistent. And it's the same with like, say, Wicklow Wolf, the way it's just like so clean, the, the cans, like it's just the style. You just know exactly what you're looking at immediately um when you're when you're looking at the cans it's the same i think there are a few episodes ago i was saying that um i went to a carry out um in, up in nace here and they um they had like a 
plexiglass screen at the door of the shop where the where, where like where the cash register was at the front of the shop and i was just like all right like i actually don't get to have a look at the cans now like this is crazy so like then like ultimately like you're looking through the shop to try and like get the like see the cans like on a shelf like really really far away but like it was like because of the artwork of the cans you're like oh that's wicklow wolf that's yellow belly like i know what i'm getting like just from you know i don't know it must have been like 15 feet away or whatever that you're still able to see it it's i don't know it's incredible shout out to those guys whoever does the artistry in the cans it's amazing i love i love the rebranding that trouble brown have done yeah it's very very slick and modern um and i love old brothers cans oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they're just savage and that's real oh nice the car range as well as the nice. mad double ipas and stuff they've, the, the car range is nicely labeled and then the they're off the wall stuff that they brew, they have the graffiti artists and things. Obviously, branding is so important that they have, like, I'm talking about the, the traditional Belgians and the traditional Germans. You have to remember a lot of them breweries around for 50, 60, 80 years. Yeah. So they have a brand and it's recognizable as that brand and they'll, they'll play to that traditional style. Like, look at Chime. I don't think that's changed much over the last few decades. Um, but Yellow Belly is, has always been like a standout in terms of the, the yellow belly character. Like we've, we've actually been luckily, lucky enough to be immortalized in a yellow belly beer label with a, a collaboration beer we did with them a few years ago. Um, so it's, it's like, it was absolutely great to be part of the process and to see the final result um, and getting to brew with Deck and the lads down there was just an absolute load of fun. Not too Crazy. much, not too much fun. Um, I never want to zest another <laughs> grapefruit in my life. You know, it was our, it was oh, tell tell us a bit more about that. Tell us a bit more about that experience. That sounds really So, as, as the best ideas often come, it's after a few beers. Um, but and, they, they were, it was all around, she it was all around Sheffield Beer Week. And they were going over. So we said, fuck it, we'll, we'll do a beer yeah, with them, no? Well, yeah, that's kind of it. But what happened was we were out in Dublin, and I think Deck and Nikki and a few and Seamus, who's, I don't think Seamus with them anymore, but um, they were up in town at some beer event, and we just had a few jars as we always do, and we're like, lads, it should be fucking ace to do a collaboration beer with you. And they in the old in Simon Lambert's, they obviously have the small, small little brew kit down there, um, and it was as they were commissioning the big one, so we only brewed a small batch. And they just said, lads, come on down and we'll, we'll make up a collab beer. So like, well, what, what would you like to brew? And I was like, well, my favorite soft drink as a kid growing up was Rock Shandy. And it'd be oh, absolutely yeah. ace to make a beer that is an homage to Rock Shandy. So we ended up making a Rock Shandy IPA. Um, it was hot. Like, it was very simple malt bill. Hopped with loads of things like Falconer's Flight, Amarillo, Citra, all those kind of big citrusy hops. And a shit ton of zested orange people and lemon peel. And if yeah. I ever have to zest an orange, it'll be too soon. Like still three years later, I think I still have the scars on my knuckles from it. But it was... I have the scars walking around the place looking for a fucking zester. Yeah, we didn't have a <laughs> zester initially. Um, so the lads, we were over at um, a, beer, a beer conference in Sheffield and the guys were going over for Sheffield Beer Week as part of of Sheffield's Beer Week. So they were like the Irish brewery and like the first- a tap takeover. A tap takeover in a couple of places. And the first few kegs went there and we kept a few kegs back in Ireland. So there was a few in the Galway Bay pubs and 57 the headline and 
like I think there was only maybe 10 kegs of it in total, but like it was just absolutely great to be able to bring a load out from the office and go, look, here's a beer that me and Janice made. Let's get and it turned out to be seven percent. So you, you were just absolutely annihilated after drinking pot. <laughs> like. wow. It was excellent, it was great fun. Uh, I'd recommend it to anyone to like make a beer. <laughs> That's the dream right there. And, and, and speaking of beers, uh, Janice, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I was on the third circle uh, for the Greater Good Sour, but I've actually just cracked open the can of Ace of Hayes from Blacks. Um, so. Actually, we were looking at the Greater Good Sour there today. On, um, what's that like, Janice? i definitely get it if I were you. Now, there's... Uh, it's a mango fruit sour, but there's another one. What's the word? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I have no idea what it tastes like, but I can definitely get the mango. Give it again. What, what's the word again? Cheremoya. C-H-E-R-I-M-O-Y-A. Like I've never even heard of it. I'm guessing something from the Amazon. Yeah, I'd say so. Sounds like master chef ingredient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does actually, yeah. <laughs> master chef Australia, though. Like. <laughs> oh, are you watching it? No, no, I'm I'm not up I'm not up to to date now with the latest series. The best oh, it's the best cookery show on TV, good. full stop. It's, very good. it's the host that make it. Oh you know they've changed the panel this year, don't you? Oh fuck. Oh, uh, I, don't, I don't want to break this bad yeah, news to you. No. Moving <laughs> swiftly on, what are you guys what are you guys drinking? I was gonna say I don't I don't follow them on social media because like they're we're about six months behind them, so they keep giving yeah. me spoilers on Instagram. Oh do they, yeah. Yeah, Wayne, what about yourself? What are you drinking tonight? Um, I'm almost finished my Black's Ace of Haze. Um, and I'm going to go on to the Porterhouse's new Rambler Juicy Pale Ale next. The Ace of Haze, had we hit record when you were talking about how much you love it or not? Because uh, I think it'd be a shame for the listeners. Um, well, for me, so far, it's my beer of the summer so far, um, in the sense of it takes all the boxes in the style of IPA, that it is. It's a New England IPA. It's hazy, obviously. It's fruity. It's a slight sweetness. There is a night. There's a touch of bitterness just to make it not cloyingly sweet. But it's an absolute banger, and it's totally sessionable at four point two percent. Like that's that's everything I want. Drinking eight cans of it at a barbecue or whatever, you kind of want to be able to feel your face, not fall over and yeah, burn yourself. But yeah, yeah it's like the lads down in Blacks are sound as well. It's a, it's a great beer. And I, I'm looking forward to trying the... Uh, yeah, shout out to Sam and Maud if you're listening. Yeah, another, um, there's another version of it with different hops I'd be interested to try as well. Yeah, the, that was doubt for me. The, the um, virtual craft beer festival there in, at the start of June, um, that, was, that was an absolute hit for me in that. Like, I really, I really fucking love that. Like, I can remember jotting down a few notes um, so that like when we recorded our next podcast, I could fucking talk about the beers that we drank. And I just, I just looked like Ace of Hayes, fucking unreal. Was that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a top, it's a top beer. And um, actually I was down in Cork the weekend before last there, just um, I went to an off license with my brother, uh, Ian, who, who's been on the podcast and um, bought a couple of cans of Ace of Hayes because I was like, man, this is, this is top notch stuff. Like it's the kind of thing that, you know, I think if you don't like it, you don't have any taste buds, because um, <laughs> it does everything. Like it, uh, like you said, it hits every note. And when you're talking about uh, a hazy, a hazy pale ale, like it's it's exactly what you fucking want from it. Like, um, I'd love to be drinking some of this now in underdog, on draft. 
Stop now, will you? I'd be happy as a pig and shite. You're going to make them emotional, Janice. Will you relax? We'll get to that bit. Tears. We'll get there. Because they had the Cryo IPA um, on tap in Sissy Young's last year when we were there. And like, I just think like Blacks... Blacks fucking really smash out pale ales. Like they really, they really do do them well. Like you know, it's 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 one of these breweries like Kinnegar that just I don't think they, I don't think they have a miss. Um, and speaking of blacks, like in 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 the hall of beers I got today, there's um, a pineapple and mango tropical pale ale that I picked up. Oh, that's on the new actually. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So they were three for a tenner. So that was it. it was five for sixteen, and I was, they were three for a tenner, and I was like, I can't leave them behind. I need, I need to get three of them. So they they won't last the weekend. Um, Owen, what are you drinking yourself? Um, so I'm on um, Stout Export by Boundary. So they're a Belfast-based um, brewery. Um, they're like a co-op brewery, I think, aren't they? That they um, you like buy in, I think, to like it's not it's not like shares, is it? Or is it? It's kind um, of like. It's, it, it is it is kind of like you're owned by your members, so it's it's kind of probably more like a credit union. It's probably more like a dairy co-op, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like, Glambia Brewing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Glambia exactly, Brewing. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, essentially, like the the beer the brewery is owned by its members, and all all strategic decisions are made by the members at AGMs and EGMs, and and that, it's very democratic. Lacade is another one up in 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 Belf- uh, Yeah, Lacade is. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's like it's one of those things where Boundary are knocking out some serious beers as well, and it, we're actually really lucky to get them down here. Because um, like for a long time they weren't available down here, and you'd, we'd only ever be able to pick them up when we'd fly up to Newry or something like that. So it's great to see, and they're really well renowned worldwide now. Boundary, they're they're kind of like in the they're operating at a level kind of very similar to Whiplash on an international scale in terms of the international collabs and, and you know, festivals and things like that. The, their festival had to be sadly cancelled as well. And what's your man we know? Matthew? Yeah, Matthew, yeah. Fucking mad OP is. He's great. <laughs> yeah. Go he, on. <laughs> well, we actually, wasn't he down the night that we were with, brewing with oh, Yellow was, Belly? Yeah. And we all had beers then in the bar afterwards. And yeah. they're just... They're gas crack, but Matthew is actually genuinely a really, really nice, yeah, nice, guy a nice guy and great brewer. And then we had great fun with him up at the, what was that bloody yolk we went to? ABV. ABV. Yeah, another festival that's no longer with us, but um, ABV Fest of Belfast was. Did you ever get savage. to go to one of them? No. no. Honestly, oh, you talked you talk earlier about like, calendars not lining up like i think i've bought tickets to more beer festivals in the last couple of years that i haven't been able to make by the time they've come around like it just breaks my fucking heart every time uh so i that's you need one to learn how to pull a sickie yeah but like it's really hard to pull a sickie with your family <laughs> <laughs> like i just wish people would stop having babies and organizing christmas like, yeah. Oh, listen, man. I that's part of the problem. Um, super. I tell you what, right? I'm on the old brother Nightcrawler, uh, a mix. Um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm just about to open a new can, so I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to ask you for silence to see if we can get this. Uh, if the Michael picked this up, it's a four point five percent. Um, a, a, a mixed out. So, um, 
the, the, the most controversial ingredient in brewing lactose is used um but but used really well like it's it's like there's there's a nice bit of bitterness there like touch of coffee but um not not a touch of coffee there's there's quite a good hint of coffee there um but it's a lovely texture like for a stout and it's a real great fucking in between from your macro stouts to the likes of your you know you know your um oatmeal stouts that are um a lot less creamier so i i think it's a lovely kind of way for it's 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 a great stout for someone who's wedded to guinness or wedded to to murphy's or, or beamish and you're trying to get them to taste something to something some independent brewing because um it's fucking delicious it's delicious and again like 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 wayne like you were talking about earlier four five four point five percent you can't go wrong with it you know it's it you, you could sit there for the day now drinking this especially a miserable blustery wintry uh sunny southeast day you know so it's, it's, it's fucking ideal for that uh really really nice um and again like like janice like we we're saying earlier like just the fucking artwork and 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 the beauty of the can itself as well is something to behold like it's it's re it really stands out um and even the the, the can looks fucking wintry and um warm yeah. and welcoming like it's 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 it, it the can like when i saw it in in more of my wines earlier i was like that looks like my granduncle's house where they've got the open fire that you start, uh, you have to start it by turning the wheel. Ah. That's like one of my earliest drinking memories is having cans of Guinness there in front of the fire in the winter, talking shit right. five in the morning. So it actually like there was a nostalgia factor to the can for me. It looks like it looks like sound. It looks like the festival of sound to it me. Does actually, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. The festival of sound. Um, yeah, it's it's a fucking cracking beer, cracking beer, and I felt like stout today. And I know it's a bit fucking cracked because we're in the middle of July, start of July, but it felt like winter today. It's always beer. appropriate to have stout. Yeah, I, yeah, always. I know, but I'm I'm a complete fucking seasonal prick. Like you know, I'm I, like some summer I'm all for the fruity IPAs, and then like stout stout and porter season. Like I'm I'm a firm believer in stout and porter season, but. Uh, Days like today are the exception, and I'm not a bit fucking sad that I made that choice because it's a fucking belter, an absolute fucking belter. DJ, before we move on now to talking absolute muck, right? Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to um from the um, virtual beer festival again, fucking great old great old day, um tipping in and out of it all day long. But um, you were saying there about like lactose being um one of the most contentious ingredients in beer but big shout out to um gloss it's like a milkshake ipa by the white hag it's peaches and cream uh milkshake ipa and fuck me it was savage oh my god so we had uh i had that and then like kira tipped in as well and she was like tipping in on as well and it was so good now you'd only drink probably one too max like but god it was just like a completely different taste it was incredible I loved it I, I i loved i don't know if you caught it there all, but i think wayne's reaction was the opposite like i think i think from what he described earlier of isaiah cans at a barbecue is probably the last thing he wanted to <laughs> oh well there's no way you'd have eight cans of this anytime ever like i, I think it's more I think it's more because I'm just ideologically opposed to lactose and IPA. That's, yeah. But that, that's, that's just me. It's either you're either pro-treaty or anti-treaty. So you're either pro-lactose or anti-lactose. It's, it's I think there was a few converters at the, I think there was a few converters at the beer festival, all right. I yeah. don't like lactose in IPA. Stop doing it. I've had it in a couple of sours to good effect. Um, yeah. 
kind of kind of brings it back brings it more into like a, an ice cream sour kind of slushy type effort but I, I, if each to their own i did i haven't had that particular one that you're talking about there but uh i generally wouldn't actively seek out a lactose infused ipa yeah like definitely a few few but i've had before have been quite like sickly and like this was sweet but it wasn't sickly i, I don't know like if that makes sense like hey look Split a can between you and, and, and let me know what you what you think of it. See if I can pick one up. Yeah, yeah. Savage though. Oh. Oh. Man, spe- speaking of stuff that you split between yourselves, um, the, the Irish beer snob blog and, and, and podcast, right? Uh, I was look. I was. I was I looking. Gone another way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I'm trying to keep a PC. I want to keep the lad. <laughs> Careful now. I just need that down with this sort of thing sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I just think it's 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 a lovely thing because you, like when I think it was 2014 when you, you started it up, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Yeah, 2014, 2013, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and and like you describe it as a journey through craft beer and food. Um, I just want to know, right? Your first, your, like I remember when we started Snowcast and we started actively following like. Um, people in the independent craft beer scene and stuff like that and then we came across your podcast um your first ever episode was i, I remember listening through the back catalog and i started off every man than most yeah yeah listen look i was looking for inspiration like we had much going for us um don't do that don't do definitely don't do that and i would but, but something that stuck with me as we were doing starting off snow, snowcast was your first podcast was in scotland i think with brewdog um, and you specifically mentioned the craft beer revolution in 2014. I suppose, first of all, like in your own words, how would you describe the blog and the podcast? And then, secondly, following on that, like learning from the last six, seven years of 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 like investing yourselves into this and, and talking to brewers and shit. Uh, how do you think that craft beer revolution you're talking about in Scotland in 2014, like, um, has it has it led up to your expectations over the last six years? I suppose. Great question. <laughs> um, I suppose take, taking the whole thing, like the, the podcast and blog, all started out, and I probably need to update the about us. The uh, the website update is one of those per- perpetually on the long finger. I'll get around to that eventually. Mm. Um, what started out of initially, I started blogging because Janice was fed up listening to me. The podcast, I got kind of pushed into it by a friend of mine who used to podcast about beer, but he doesn't anymore. Um, and I just happened to be over at Brewdog and I was able to interview Stuart Bowman, who was the head brewer at Brewdog at that time. And that was a very strange experience. It was great to be able to talk to somebody, but like if you if you've subjected yourself to the past the back catalogue, you would have seen that there was a few early episodes where it's just me talking and I, like I admire people who can sit in front of a YouTube a video camera and do it on YouTube or sit in front of a, a microphone and record a, a podcast content on their own. I just found that very difficult and unnatural. And Janice has always had a real taste for other things. Like Tim, Timothy Taylor Landlord in the UK would be a big epiphany moment for her in terms of. I'm not speaking far, but just in terms of her beer journey, that it kind of just made sense. Let's do it together and talk about our journey from like we're still novices, we're 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 enthusiasts, we're not professionals, we both have day jobs. We 
we initially started talking about beer and, and matching it with food and, and those kind of things, but it quickly evolved and we, 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 we took a lot of thought about how, what do we want out of this? And we kind of wanted to use our platform as a method and, and to give a platform to breweries to tell their own story in their own words, because you know the challenges they face, they don't have the huge marketing budgets, people buy off people, people buy stories, people want to, to understand what's behind someone's decision to leave a successful career in IT, science or whatever, to go start working in a, owning a brewery and operating it and making their own beer to sell. To, to customers who will be the harshest critics. They'll buy a beer once and if they don't like it, they'll never buy it again. It's very different to like if you're homebrewing for your mates, your mates will probably go, oh yeah, that's great, but really it's riddled with flaws or whatever. So in the last number of years, our podcast has, has evolved into more, a, like very much like your own, a conversational thing where we like to have guests on. We still have our we'll just have the two of us and we'll shoot shit for a half an hour or 45 minutes, talk about the, the happenings in, in the beer industry. But we like to have people on to tell their own story and to ask the questions that people want to know because people might not be comfortable to go speak to someone directly. And with the absence of beer festivals this year and, and outlets for them, I think this year the medium that we operate in is taking on more importance and in supporting small indigenous businesses, whether it's breweries, cideries, distilleries, or whatever, that we, we, we are passionate advocates of independent breweries in this country. Um, and it's great to have a, beer with, have a beer with someone, even if it's over Zoom, and get behind, chink into the armor and just find out what's behind it, what's the motivation, and what's the story. And, you know, like, what's the story, as in, tell us, tell us. And you'll often find that sometimes people have gone into these breweries and things and they might have the skills to be a, a brilliant brewery, but they might not, a brewer, but they might not have the skills to market themselves or talk about themselves. Like we've all, we've all been in professional work situations, no doubt, where it's like, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me some of your achievements, like particularly when you're in a job interview or something, you're like, what the hell? It's something that a lot of people struggle with. So we kind of found that naturally we're able to kind of, because it's a natural conversation, the only difference is there's a microphone there and we're talking about beer and everyone will talk about beer. Or a video chat through Zoom when one of us is in our pajamas. (laughs) But she got her, she got her hair done and the makeup is still on. Yeah. So that's, I've probably rambled on a bit farther, (laughs) but yeah, that's, that's basically it. Like Like you look, you look at, um, you look at Joe from Rascals there, like, and, and he's on like fucking the Tonight Show um, last week, like with a national platform about Rascals reopening. And like, even at that, he's, it's not all about Rascals, it's about independent brewing. And he, he, he gives a nod to, to, to like independent brewing itself, um, not just Rascals and stuff. So I think it's a brilliant community. Um, coming back to the original question, um, Wayne and Janice, I suppose the thing then about the last six years, right? Um, you were talking 2014 about this craft beer revolution. Um, this, this, <laughs> this is why I write these things down. Uh, I suppose, look, the craft beer revolution, to us it's happened because we're invested in it and we love it. But then the market share doesn't reflect it, I suppose, in the Irish market. Um, yeah. I suppose, what, what, 
from from your as a consumer like we are and, and as i like i actually wrote down what you said because i thought i think it's a brilliant phrase and it's something that that, that resonated with me like as passionate advocates um of independent brewing in, in ireland and beyond um what can i suppose two things what can they do more and what can we do more just to f increase that market share because I, I do think independent breweries with the challenges that Owen's just outlined have um like you said they don't have the massive marketing budgets they don't have like the, the brewers are geniuses and they have to put their focus and energy into producing quality beer because if the beer is in quality as you said someone will drink a bad beer and fucking write them off forever so what are the challenges guys do you think um how, how can how can they do it better and how can we do be better advocates yeah. for them well, if you think about it, if because you're drinking the beer and you're in your own social circles, how many people have you converted over to good beer? Yeah, a good few. More than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah well, then there you go. And we're, and we're the same. Like, we obviously we love good beer. We love talking about good beer and we like like-minded people. But there are other people out there that we are friends with that just don't want anything to do with it that just don't like it and mm. and we have to appreciate that as well yeah it's all about it's all about in what's the word include inclusive that's yeah. the one thank you very much yeah. <laughs> and if somebody likes a guinness and prefers a guinness i'm not just going to say well hang on a second i don't want to drink with you because you're drinking guinness drink this instead yeah i, I suppose I, there was a second part to your question that i didn't really answer has the craft beer revolution played out the way I thought it would in 2013? No. <laughs> uh, quite simply, I think... Briefly honest. Like it's, it, it, the numbers haven't backed up. Like I think the, the projected growth and market share of the Irish craft beer sales by 2020 was in the double digits, like 10%, 12% range back then. And at that point, it was like 1.5% or 1%. Now, I think the major, major difference that we in Ireland have had is that the establishment, e.g. Moss and Cars, Heineken, Diageo, CNC, have seen the curve happening in the States. They've seen the curve happening in the UK and they've been able to adapt quicker in the sense of bringing out fake craft brands such as Cute Her, etc. Um, to muddy the waters and to confuse consumers. So Hop House 13 is one of Diageo's largest sellers, but it was born directly out of a way to frustrate and confuse customers. Mm -hmm. So I think the establishment has fought back, not only with muddying the waters, but and, and it's unbelievable the Competition Authority didn't find any wrongdoing in anything that was going on, but they're undoubtedly offering shitloads of free beer, other soft marketing stuff like awnings, whatever. So I think, I just think that the Irish-based macros were able to respond a little bit quicker because they've learned from experiences in other markets. We also didn't have the tradition, or we lost the tradition due to the dominance of Guinness of a regional brewer um, over the previous 300 years or so. Um, whereas in the UK, the, the tradition of a, a guy brewing beer 10 miles down the road from the pub is poured in is still very much a very strong tradition there with obviously notable large regionals and things. Um, but I think beer, I think, I think in, craft beer is a term that causes problems for me, but I think sometimes it can get a bit exclusive. And when it starts getting a bit exclusive, it's getting a bit poncy wine bars in the 80s kind of stuff that realistically beer has always been the everyman drink. It's for everybody. There's styles to suit everybody. 
And I think that as soon as we forget sight of that, then we're in trouble. That we need to be inclusive of like, and that's if you have a mate who likes a pint of Guinness, so what? Leave them at it. If if you have a friend who's a vegetarian, do they try and convert you to be a vegetarian every time you're eating a steak? No, they don't. But I'd so still it, eat meat in front of you. But it's, 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 I just think, I, I just think that we need to be cognizant of the businesses we support nowadays, and that includes asking the question of a pub you go into if they've no craft beer on tap. You go, you have a local beer. I wouldn't even say the word craft because. They'll instantly point to Half House 13 or the Citra IPA. And that's because the big guys have educated them that way. Publicans are meant to be salespeople and professional dispensers of drink. But more and more, it's a homogenous experience. And I think from talking, from listening to you guys over the, over the years, you guys love your non-homogenous experiences that you're getting Waterford. You've got your Grady's Yard. You've got Welsh's. You've got... Bill Grimes, you've got pubs that cater for everybody, but it's a non-homogenous experience with someone who's gone, I'm going to have a beer that's made 10 kilometers down the road, or even in the town, like you've obviously Waterford, you've Metal Man in, in the town, and they're very well supported around the town, so that's great to see. So I think, I, I kind of think, I know I've rambled on a bit, but I kind of think they're kind of the challenges that are faced. I think we, we as customers need to ask publicans and then vote with our custom, like if, if you go in a few times and the penny's not dropped and there's more than one person asking, then that person's not a very good business person because you respond to the consu consumer's demands. Even if it's only having bottles or cans in the fridge, draft is a bigger proposition because it goes off quicker. But you can keep a can in the fridge for a year, you can keep a bottle in the mm -hmm. fridge for a year. I think, I think as well, the thing there that you hit the nail on the head as well is like the macros have been really fucking smart. They've been cute whores. Uh, to, to, like, oh. to use that phrase um, they've, been, they've been cute whores because cute whore uh, the open gate citra hop house these guys it's not just the fact that the publican can point to them and say oh that's craft but it's the tap space as well like tap space is money um, and that's what I love about Phil Grimes Grady's Yard and stuff is, is the taps are like banging your face like if you go in the back door Phil Grimes you're greeted with uh, white gypsy, you're greeted with rat, whatever he's in from rascals, yellow belly, etc. And it's colourful and great. Like you don't get that in most and, and and actually I've never thought of it in that that sense of it being a non-homogenous experience compared to a lot of other people that that we are blessed in Waterford to have the, these kind of establishments. Um I, I just have a thought now about Phil Grimes, right? <laughs> so I have an idea, right? So I don't know, Wayne and John, have you been in Phil Grimes in Waterford? Yeah. Yeah. So if you notice that, like, so if you walk in the front door of Phil Grimes, there's um, all the taps in front of you there on the right are your Heineken's and Guinness and things like that are um, at the front of the bar. And then at the back of the bar, then he has the kind of wraparound bit with all of your um, local and craft beers there, right? Um, so I would say that Tom, right, has been like, right, for like the prime real estate of taps, he's been like to the, to the, to the guys who come in from Diageo and, and the likes, he's gone like, oh yeah, yeah, the front of the bar, yeah, come in the front door here, this is our prime real estate, whereas the back of the bar is actually the prime real estate and he has completely shifted it all to the back. I think this, that man is a genius. I, he's a cute whore. He is a cute whore, but he's not a cute oh, whore. And Janice is out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We actually had, I have to say, 
um, when we were down in Waterford last year, we had a, we, and I tweeted about it at the time, it was 100% the most authentic experience as a, as a tourist. Like, we're obviously Irish and live in Ireland, but Tom spent so much time with us. So like, much time. Because we went in, we've done a little bit of a pub crawl. We avoided, what's the place across the road, the Welcome Inn? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we kept going because I, I figured my accent might cause a few problems. Right. So we, like we went in the 1950s to Tom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we went down to Tom and we were having a few beers. And I think Foggy Juice by Rascals was on at the time. Absolutely great yep. beer. And we were kind of like looking about things to do. And he was like, because the weather forecast wasn't great. We were meant, nice. to, we were meant to do the Greenway. And I was like, I'm not doing the Greenway if it's pissing rain. Yeah, yeah. And he's, and he's like, lads. He's have to do the Copper Coast Drive and go down to Tremor and do all this and end up in Dungarvan. And we ended up in Dungarvan and we met Claire and uh, uh, what's this comic from Dungarvan Brewing Company when we were down there. Went to Mary's for lunch. But it's like, if you want to do something really interesting, he said, go up and do the ferry road on the way up to Mahan Falls. Oh, yeah. I was like, ferry road? What the fuck is this nonsense? And he got out a map and he's like, it's fucking here. And it's like, it was just, it was, if you were like coming in from the States, or anywhere in Europe, and you happen to fall into Phil Graham's pub, you'd get the same experience because he's just so passionate, not only about the beer he sells. Like, I appreciate he sells the, the other things because it pays the bills in a lot of cases, but he is so passionate about the local area. And I, I was just like, I could not imagine meeting a more passionate advocate for Waterford as a county. And I was blown away by my experience of meeting him. And we were both blown away yeah, by, by our experience. And we went up and we did it. And then when we got back to Waterford that night, we went in a, a load more pints and then we finished off the keg of foggy juice. And it was just absolutely fantastic experience. And you have an absolute gem of a pub there. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's actually it, that passion that he has for the local area or whatever. He actually has a passion for other people's interests as well. So like you could talk about anything. You could be on about your financial services or whatever. And he'll go, go on go on, tell me a bit more about that now. And, he'll, and he'll, he'll find some story from the back of his mind where he'll, you know, he'll come out with a little gem of knowledge and he'll ask you a little bit and he'll ask you then to explain that little piece that he had in his mind further to him, you know? And it's just, it's a brilliant way to interact with people whereby he's so inquisitive and like, you know, and also has his own, such a knowledgeable person as well about beer as well like great like so enthusiastic about the beers he's selling like and 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 the, and again the people behind the beers as well like oh he you know he sold this to me it's a great and even even the even the salespeople as well like he'll he'll tell great yarns about like the the sales guys and stuff who come into come into him but um is there any any bars up by your way guys that that, that you're very proud of well, they're getting there. They're getting there, yeah. Well, there's a new local one that's opened up. Um, my favourite bar in the town is called Larry and Nora's. Um, and it's it's a it's more of a it's more of a cocktail trendy bar than it's a beer bar. Instagramable bar. Navin isn't Navin isn't a great town for say craft beer. It's a bloody great town for Guinness. Yeah, yeah it's. It's, it's odd. It's actually getting better. Uh, Larry Norris has two brew brewery taps, which are the local brewery to us in Trim. Ryan's Bar, which is a, is a major Heineken house, 
um, is going to have two or three brewery taps when that reopens in July. Um, and there's a couple of pubs that have other pubs that have brew, which is local, obviously. There's another pub that has Porterhouse IPA always on. Um, so like it's getting better. It is it is getting better. The one pub that was in the town that used to sell a, a bit of everything has sadly closed. Um, but I think it's very difficult in in a non-major city like Navin is really a commuter town into Dublin. The most people would socialize in Dublin and get a bus home or yeah. And like the publicans at Navin deal with their their consumers. But I have noticed more and more before lockdown anyway, more and more accounts were taking on like a brew IPA or a brew lager tap or a pale ale tap because they're three very solid beers. And it's Rome wasn't built in a day. That will that will get there. But it'll come down to consumers challenging as well. Like we went we did go to a restaurant very early when it opened and we asked them did they have any local beers and they try to give us a Lagunitz IPA. And I was like, oh that's not very local, but I'll drink it anyway. But at the same time, like you, you have the ultimate hypocrisy of quite a number of businesses that champion we have local suppliers and blah blah blah. Yeah. But when it comes to their beer, beer is non not even in the equation. So not even in Ireland. I think it's I think it's important to challenge without kind of going down the cancel culture that we're in at the moment, going, I'm not gonna drink there ever again because they don't sell beer. Like one of our favorite pubs in the town is an absolute old man bar called Lockie's. We it's actually called Henry Lockrens. Henry Lockrens. We everyone calls it Lockie's. But we go in the locals do. We go in and it's like Guinness is fantastic in there. There's always a good pull on it. It's always good Guinness. It has a pool table at the back, has a jukebox at the back, has a couple of poker machines. Lockie at the back. It is a stereotypical Irish old man pub. It's got lounge at the front, bar at the back, and it's uncomplicated. But you'll often go in there and you'll have a couple of Guinnesses and then you'll notice that they're selling a Brackman's gin and tonic for six quid. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that should be eight or nine quid. Like, and so you just... It's, Don't be advertising that now. They put the price yeah. up. You're more than welcome to come to Navin when restrictions end. Totally. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's one of those things where Navin is, is, is getting there slowly. Um, but I think the same could be said of a lot of non-major towns. Like Waterford is obviously a major city. Um, and... There, there would be maybe the, the college experience as well. But now, going back, they, we did have brew house a couple of years ago. And when that first opened, that place was mm. cracking. It was brilliant. They had all their own taps, but they had another couple of taps that were rotational. But their letdown at the time was they didn't cater for everybody. So if they had had the Guinness tap and the Heineken tap, you know, that would have made the world a difference in a, in a town as small as Navin, even though... Yeah, that's, that's very interesting because we had um, it with Grady's Yard in Waterford. So Grady's Yard had um, 10 of their own taps and then they had 10 guest taps. So just 10, like, low, or 10 craft breweries around Ireland, they would have had um, their taps as well. And then after a while, like after maybe, what, a year and a half or so, DJ of trading or so, um, some of those guest taps converted into macro taps. Um, and, you know, we were very like, oh, come on, guys. This is what we loved about the place, you know. But it's interesting hearing that because you're kind of like, you know, is it a, is it a thing where you're trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to make sure that 
that if there's a group of people going in and there is say 10 of you and eight of you are drinking craft beers that like those other two people who like are just fond of the Guinness or fond of your Heineken or whatever that they're happy as well you know yeah again that's the whole inclusivity yeah you know like you you, I and I can I I think that's a brilliant I think that's brilliant what Grady Derrick have done they're not excluding anybody, especially if you're like that. If they're very much a student town, isn't it? There is a IT. In there Ward, is there it? is like a huge student population there, right? In Waterford, yeah, yeah, yeah. WIT is yeah the big um, the IT here, like and yeah. Um, and I, and I think that it's really good that they've done that because, as you said, there's going to be a large group of people and some like their Guinness, some like their Heineken, and you're not going to be able to convert those people no matter how much you try. But at the same time, you don't want to exclude them because you could have the best fucking burger in the town. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, think, know, I, I think as well, it kind of like if there's like one or two people coming in and they're going, oh, you know, can I have a Heineken, please? It does give them the option of, oh, would you try Citra or whatever? You know, it gives, you know, and, and they do their tasters and stuff. You know, they're very open to being like, would you have a taste of this? So yeah. I think, I think, yeah, it probably does kind of bridge the gap as well. And um, we were definitely, I, like myself and Darren were actually heartbroken when it, when it initially happened. We were like, oh, it's lost the heart of like what it was. But I think yeah. on like, I don't know several reflections on it um and definitely now I think it probably was the right move from um just exactly inclusivity I think I think the realities of of business come into it as well like ultimately one of the big one of the big failings of brew house in my opinion was very soon after like within six months of opening they had up to six guest taps and yellow belly citra would have been pouring regularly there at the time and and they went they, they went from having six guest taps to no guest taps none which was a bit daft but then they were also making big deals about showing all live sports rugby football gaelic games whatever and you know yourself guys go out on a saturday afternoon at 12 o'clock for the half 12 kickoff in the premier league and there might be 10 or 12 of them they're going to sit there all day watching sports doing a a few horses across the road and they're going to be drinking pints and they're going to be eating chicken wings and they're going to be a cash cow for that quiet period during the day. But if you have a group of 20 people coming in and 10 of them drink craft and 10 of them drink Guinness and Heineken, and I have a kind of a pint of Guinness, please. Now we don't serve it here. And even if you go, will you try, try our beer? They might only stay for one and go, fuck that. Let's go across to the pub, across the road where we can drink what we like. And the other 10 people are discommoded then because they'll go along with the herd because they'll revert to drinking Guinness because it's what we've always done. Um, I just think it's clever. It's it's better to include the audience rather than exclude. Yeah, that's a brilliant point because it brings me back to something actually that uh, I think has been a theme throughout your podcast, guys, is you've always talked about the craft beer journey, about trying as many things as you can try um, to develop your palate. And I find that like craft beer and, and when I'm, as I'm trying to convert, say, my brothers to craft beer or our uncles or our friends who, who, who are like diametrically opposed and think craft beer is the devil. Um, or when I say craft, like obviously independent craft beer, 
I always find that like you have to make that distinction that like you have to find a bridge and you have to develop that palette. And I think, yeah, like what we, we were saying there that like when Grady's Yard had, when we went in and saw a Moretti, uh, Heineken and Murphy's tap, we were a bit like, ah, oh, come on, lads, come on. But you do have to care. You do have to have that inclusivity. In terms of the developing the palette then, like, um, I think coming back circle then to what we were talking about earlier about the craft beer revolution. Are craft breweries, right, like, are they overly focusing on the, the double dry hopped IPAs and the freaking these mad techniques and stuff like this, mixed fermentation, right? They're brilliant. And for us, that's what we want. But do they need to consolidate and, and have more gateway independent beers um, like your, your Keller Lagers, like your, your, like the milk stout from all brother is, is that something that I suppose they could put more investment in so that the 90, 7.4% of people, 97.2% of people who don't drink independent craft beer regularly, do they need, do we need to provide them with, with like gateway beers, basically, more of them and have more of them available? There are a lot of breweries in Ireland, I feel, do a really, really good core range that could be called gateway beers. And one of them for me would probably be black. Blacks do a really good range. Like their their KPA yeah, yeah. would be a really, really good beer. And that would be a really good entryway beer. I know a lot of people out there have a thing against eight degrees. I don't. Eight degrees have a really, really good core range. That would be really good for a gateway beer. Um, Brew Brewery, our local one, their core range is a great way for a gateway beer. Pothouse. There's, there's, there's loads and loads of Irish beers, and I'm sorry I didn't mention you all, but they are doing really, really good beers that could be gateway beers, and there are some other breweries that we all know and love that are doing these mad, wild shite jokes. Not shite jokes, but you know what I mean. They're, they're not, they're not focusing on the, the trilogy, the holy, tri the holy trinity. trinity. Yeah. And. I think they're doing enough. It's just, I, I just don't think if people aren't interested in it, you're never going to change their mindset. Yeah. Plus, for bringing it back to uh, changing the palate and all, you didn't like cheese and now you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like spices and now look at me. No, I, th I think it's... Uh... I think if you know a way it, yes. I think if you know a way it, like like get your entry level, get your entry level beer, and then just and then just build on it. I think I think it's a really simple thing. I think I hated stout when we first started, and it's my favorite style now. If if you think about pushing an open door, you kind of you kind of want to go. You want to try a drink, a mouthful of what I'm drinking, and see what you think. Mm. Eventually, if you're drinking enough breadth of style. You'll give someone a taste of someone to go fucking hell, it's really nice. Whether it's a brown ale or whether it's a red ale or whatever, I think, I think Guinness Guinness has a a very privileged position in this in this country, not only because of the the link to the storehouse and its importance in tourism, and it's in every pub across the country, bar a few standouts in Cork that would be it's Murphy's or Beamish or nothing that you'd literally have a situation where people are so brand loyal to Guinness as a brand because their dad drunk it, their granddad drunk it, and 
it goes back generationally. But when you're kind of looking at, at generations of people who are well-traveled, as in they've gone to far-flung Europe or the States or South America, and they've undoubtedly drank the local beer there, that when they come back and they kind of go, you know, I really don't fancy Heineken, I want to try something different or whatever. That's, that's a large percentage of the current consumer. But it's, it's encouraging people without intimidating people. Like, Grady's Yard, if you flip the example on your head that you guys were initially disappointed to go in and see Moretti, Murphy's and Heineken on, on, the, on the tap, you're a non-craft drinker and you walk into that pub for the first time and you don't see a single recognizable brand, how do you feel? Like, you're looking at a list of taps that look like cartoon characters and you're going, what the fuck is this? So at the same time, education is hugely important and I think podcasts, blogs, Instagrammers, tweeters all have a massive role to play in in spelling out that all craft beer is not hoppy, that you can have a real malty, like, I really love uh, Four Provinces from Kimmage in Dublin. They brought out a dark mild, which is a style that no one, I think only, I think the only other brewer that did it before was Third Circle and West Kerry Brewery have done a mild beer that I can recall in recent times. It's basically a malt session ale, 3.8%. Anyone who drinks Smithix should love that shit because that's probably what Smithix would have tasted like 20 years ago. Mm. So there's a beer for everybody in the same way that, you know, if, if, if you introduce them in a way that you kind of say, look how to taste this, see what you think. If you don't like it, it's fine. We'll find something. And if they, if you try a lot of different beers, it might they might not at that time be got, like not open to it. But they might go, you know what? I had a beer there six months ago and I thought that was actually really nice. And I'll try it. And they'll start pick. They might go on their own little voyage of discovery. They'll be in Tesco and they'll be in the craft beer aisle. And they might just pick up a couple of different bottles and do it that way. But don't be that dick and berate them for not enjoying the good beer either. If they like their Heineken and their macro beer, that's what they like. Absolutely. And that, and, and that's that's like the nail on the head. Like, you know, I think like as as you were saying to me earlier, Ian, like, you know, the the blog title and the name and, and, and the Twitter handle is ironic because like, you know, you like you know, exactly like Irish beer snob, but it's not snobbery. It's you know this is what I like, and 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 you should try some. And if you don't like it, fair fair play. There's no there's no hard feelings. Um, lads, the feature of the podcast throughout lockdown, certainly the second half of lockdown, has been Pint Watch. Um, and I think Pint Watch has fulfilled its duty. Um, at this stage because we have pubs open this week. Um, before we we started recording, we we were talking about whether we'd go to a pub at the moment or not or whatever and you, you guys were talking about you know Navin and, and, and what was there now at the moment so I think Pint Watch has morphed into what is ultimately now Pub Watch um, where we're, we're, we're looking at right the pubs that we love when are they opening and then when, when am I comfortable to go and have a drink in, in the pub that I watch and I suppose we have to look at now as Pub Watch essentially now I think is when is my Phil Grimes, Grady's Yard, Tully's, uh, Lockie's experience going to be what it was in January 2020? Um, so I suppose from what you've seen, what, you, what you've experienced, what, like what social media has told us from this week, uh, Owen, I suppose I'll go to you first in just asking from a pub watch point of view, um, where do you think we are and when will we have the... The, the January 2020 Phil Grimes experience again? Um, 
Good question, yeah. Um, so I think maybe just where we are, first of all, right? So I think when we initially did point watch and we were kind of guessing dates and um, you, you very correctly guessed uh, that we pull back the the restaurant date to the correct date, all right. And then you got a bit cocky and you <laughs> tried to guess that and we banished altogether. But no, you're no, but you're you're right. But e- even now, like, like, I, so I said at that time that that this um, restaurant period would be viewed as a bit of a trial period for when pubs would fully open, and like. It's kind of been shown a little in some places. So in fairness, I'd say it's the same thing as the coronavirus, like 95% or more or whatever of um, pubs or restaurant pubs are doing the right thing. They're, you know, they're doing a meal and doing pubs. But then the ones that have come into the media that are taking the absolute piss of like, here's uh whatever was it like a fish and chips and like 38 pints of guinness or something like that in dublin for like i don't know like definitely not not 105 minutes either um like i think there's still like a good bit of ironing out of these restrictions there was like a article as well in or it was at rte or something had a thing on pygmalion in dublin whereby um they couldn't control the queues outside of it um so then like the guards had to come along we're like you are shut down you are now closed like you know um and they're like you know they said they were trying to do their best but i don't know is it a thing then then like uh anecdotally myself i've heard of like a few people like going to fucking golf clubs and stuff and ripping ripping into those um and then, like, there's just other things of, like, I don't know, places handing out menus when they shouldn't have been handing out menus. So I definitely think at the moment there is still, there's been, I'd say, probably more hiccups with this section of the um, lockdown. Oh, nice. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I still, I still do think that the 20th of July will reopen uh most are well most pubs will reopen but your question was when will we see the pubs that we want to open open and i think there's a few of the publicans that we know um that won't be too pushed going for the 20th of july because they're going to wait until things are perfect for them to open and you know they want to make sure that everything that has come beforehand uh, like they've seen kind of a what ways pubs have worked and stuff. So I actually think a lot of pubs might even wait till post the 20th of July, view how other pubs are operating, see what kind of fuck ups they've made, and then they might tip away and, you know, make those corrections. So um, I don't know, if was I, am I gonna make a, a guess? I suppose maybe August bank holiday weekend, that some of them, some of them might open for that, but yeah. Or maybe the maybe the Monday before that August Bank Holiday weekend or something like that. Yeah, interesting, Janice. I see you nodding along to a lot of that there. Uh, have you answered that? Like, I suppose, like, when do you see us coming back to our January twenty twenty pub scene? Well, I know, I know myself, and um, in our town, a lot of the places that I want to go to aren't opening until after the twentieth of July, and I get that. I it's to echo what you were saying, 
is how to see how the other pubs have done it and see where they've gone wrong and to make it more comfortable for, for the customer. But to be perfectly honest with you, I'm actually dying to get up to Dublin. Like I'm dying to get up to Dublin. I'm dying to see Jeff and Moira in the headline and have the chats with them. Dying to get into, dare I say it, underdog. Um, miss that place. Will we be able to get on, into underdog with the way things are? With it being so small? Who knows? Um, do you know how that how that place is or anything? Do you know any plans for them? Like, are they are they going to be? I did from Underdog. Yeah, I did just see a tweet that they had put up saying that we're hoping to announce something soon. But I genuinely don't. I genuinely don't yeah. know that that one's a bit of a tough call because especially if it's the two meter distance, you know, There's will there be like five people in the bar with yeah. the size of the place? Like. You know, it yeah. is tiny. Um, but do I want to see the, the pub scene pre-COVID again? Because, like, there's some places that you'd go to you can't even get into. And it's like Friday or Saturday night. Forget it. You can't get a seat. The standing room only. You're squished into somewhere. Do I, will I ever feel comfortable in a pub like that again? Who knows? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... yeah. <laughs> Very honest, but like, yeah, it's very true as well. And, and like, you kind of like even kind of reflecting back on like something, you know, you you kind of look back with like these nostalgic eyes, and you're like, oh, it was so great, we had such a great time. But like, when you're actually thinking about it, you're like, no, like there was a lot of times where I just crammed into a pub and I was just sipping away, like just. Like, and then I'm the going corner. to wonder, have you washed your hands? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. And I'll never let you buy me a drink. <laughs> yeah, like. Well, you can buy all the drinks. Well, <laughs> well, you can buy all I, I kind of do anyway. But um, I, I, I suppose it kind of highlights the, like, if the question asked is verbatim, when will we see the same experience as January 2020? Realistically, not until the vaccine is widely doled out. Like, I don't, like, even though COVID-19 is obviously a very contagious illness, I'm not a medical expert, but... It's, it's breeding ground is, is close human contact. You know, if you're in a pub that's limited on space and as, Jan, as Janice alluded to, like if it's standing room only and someone breathing on you, you have a chance of getting infected, like you might be asymptomatic and that's fine. But what if you bring that into someone you, like you care about, like who's maybe a vulnerable, in a vulnerable category, like the, the, the I, I'll be honest, I've always enjoyed drinking at home. Like I've always loved drinking out as well, but I, 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 there's just something nice about you coming from work on a Friday evening, you've done the can shop at lunchtime and you go, fuck that. I'm getting into the stretchy pants. I'm getting a takeaway and I'm going to have a few cans and this is fucking great. So it's why I'm paying a fucking mortgage at the end of the day. You have so, a Zoom call with randomers. Yeah, exactly. So, but I think, I think like the toilets is the critical thing and, like you've mentioned it previously. Yeah. Our good friends on the beer clock show continuously are talking about toilets. Like I'm a member of a golf club where the locker rooms are out of commission because they won't pay for somebody to stand and monitor the locker room locker rooms while people are coming in and out. So they just said, fuck it, we'll keep them closed. So is a publican gonna pay for some floor staff member to stand in front of a toilet and say Johnny, you're not getting in there. There's someone in there already. And they're dying to either puke or whatever. And you're kind of like, and it's probably some 18-year-old who's in college. 
dealing with a belligerent drunk, like that's going to cut. Like I can, I can far see, unfortunately, human nature coming out, and we might see scenes around the August Bank Holiday in particular, similar to what we saw in Temple Bar. I, I hope to be wrong. Yeah. I yeah. want to be wrong. I want, I want to to be wrong. But I think, like you look at the scenes in the UK where on, they're on the beach in Bournemouth and all that kind of crack. Like I really hope I am wrong that we don't see situations where some publicans open up and just be, you know, fuck the rules. Like the announcement from the guards today saying we will be checking up on people is welcome, but really what led, what they don't have criminal charge power. They can only recommend it to the judge at the next renewal meeting, which might not be for 12 months. And in 12 months time, COVID-19 might be a, and an I uncomfortable memory. But at the same time, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Like I would love to be able to go to the pub and be, you know, be with my friends and mm. be with the gang that we that we miss up in Dublin and have those oh, yeah. pints and everything. Yeah. But realistically, I have absolutely no idea when I'm going to be able to do that again. Mm. Yeah, I think I, th- I see. Well, I suppose where I'm coming from there as well is I'm I'm looking at um, uh, a situation where look I'm vulnerable, so I I need to be careful about this. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying. In my head over the last few months, I've been thinking about when will I get my January 2020 pub experience back? And I suppose I don't enjoy the pub experience of people breathing on me and and, and, and being crammed in anyway. So that's why the Phil Grimes of the world appeal to me. And that's why our podcast is called Snugcast, not like crammed into a smoking area cast, you know, because... We love a snug where we can sit down and have a conversation in a pub. It's a bit catchier as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, crammed into a smoking area cast, I like. I might start that on the side. Uh, I won't tell anyone about it. Though. But the first part is checking HSE compliance of the actual smoking area. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just think like, I suppose this is something that I didn't really think about until you guys were ex- like, like Janice was <laughs> explaining exactly that was. My, I, I actually think that like a lot of pubs will actually have to cater for the type of pub experience that I like anyway, which is me sitting down. No, I know what they're talking about not at the bar, but like me sitting down, having a chat with the barman, sitting down with Owen and, and hopefully you guys soon enough in a pub where we're sitting around the table having a conversation and we're not fucking sitting on each other's laps and like, you know, it's not uncomfortable. And for me, especially like as someone with arthritis who has mobility issues and seizes up if I'm too for like in certain situations, I don't want to be comfortable. Um, so I, I actually think that my ideal January 2020 pub scenario could be August time. Uh, and those pubs on that you said that won't open until July 20th, maybe that August bank holiday weekend. Like I don't, I want the mistakes to happen before I'm there. So I'm kind of like, Pint watch, I was like, yeah, July 20th, probably June 29th, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, grand. But my personal, like, going to those pubs will be August 9th, August 14th, whenever that is, before I'm comfortable going there. Because it all is all about comfort and enjoying it for me. And actually, I found with lockdown and with going to off licenses and instead of going like, 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 as you talked about weighing with the, the freshness, the kegs and stuff in the Southeast, we're very limited. We don't get access to all the breweries around the country because number one, it's not worth a while pursuing pubs in the Southeast because there's only a couple of lines going to breweries in all these pubs and they're going to give them 
if they're going to give them to anyone, they're going to give them a metal man and they're going to give them to maybe Costello's or, or you know, R Rascals will get into a couple of places and, and, and that, uh, apart from the exceptions like Grady's Yard and, and Phil Grimes. So for me, it's a bit like, right, fuck it, like, just leave, leave it all go, like, let, let everyone fuck everything up. And now I have this opportunity over the next two months and on over the last three months to find out, to drink beers from breweries that I've heard a lot about, that I see a lot, that I like about online. But because I don't drink much at home before COVID, I can now spend my Friday nights on Zooms with randomers like you guys and enjoy beers that I wouldn't otherwise enjoy if we were doing that snowcast in a pub. Um, and it's a bit counterintuitive to me because I fucking adore the pub. But at the same time, too, I think with a pub watch, it's like, for most people, it probably is around the bank, August bank holiday weekend when it's going to be a similar experience. I agree with you, Wayne. I think that could be a recipe for fucking disaster. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm only thinking that way for a number of reasons. Like, so many people are not going to be going abroad this year. Um, those that do... Will be unfriended and black. <laughs> yeah. quite, quite questionable personal decisions, but each to their own. I think I, I think I think the August Bank holiday is just lining up to be that perfect, perfect lining up of everyone's fed up. Everyone mm -hmm. realizes the pubs are open a couple of weeks. Everyone's going to go down the country somewhere for a staycation. And they'll get a deal somewhere because hotels will do deals or whatever. And I just think it has the potential. I just hope that, like in the main, compliance individually has been quite good. Like. You don't, you don't, you don't really see like too many stories of really poor compliance, but that's the thing about alcohol. Once you've had a few drinks, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah. out the window. Like, I think this actually. I won't lie to you though. Like, we're going to go out for a meal tomorrow evening to mm. celebrate everything that happened through all the special occasions that happened through COVID. I am going to welcome the space between the tables because I don't like knowing that, you know, John and Mary beside me can hear my entire conversation and then yeah. see and look and be breathing on my food. Yeah. I'm going to oh, welcome those good. partitions and a little bit of, and, and it's going to feel a little bit more intimate, I think. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. Like there's, there's definitely like restaurants and stuff in at Waterford, like say Burza and Waterford where like, you know, it, it is, it's, it's lovely and cozy, but it's the same kind of cozy that like, like a housing or a real estate agent or whatever would categorize a tiny, tiny house as cozy. Like, you know, um, it's, you know, it, it, it is lovely in that sense, but like, I do, I do, I, I do also enjoy the person beside me not listening to every single conversation I have. And I know it goes both ways. I could be talking about them. <laughs> yeah. But like oftentimes I'm there like like throwing eyes at Kira being like, Did you hear that? Did you hear what he just said? Like, you know. But like, you know, I definitely definitely I, I would definitely embrace it as well. Like I think yeah. it's amazing. But actually, Wayne, just to touch on something that you said there about like say and um, people uh are uh, publicans not hiring someone to be on the on the toilet door or whatever, but like they also like would have to hire someone. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult for them to like someone to be on the front door, do you know, of the place. And like, so like your local pub where there's just like one, one barman behind the bar. And like, 
do you know, like, are they going to hire a second person to stand at the door? Or then are they going to put the onus on the barman to be like, oh, here, there's actually eight in here now. We only have capacity for six, you know? So two of the, uh, sorry, who was in there last? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mike, Michael, was that you clear out? You know, it's, it's very, it, that's going to be very tough. Like, you know, I think yeah. it's a, it's tough enough being a barman trying to find out who's round as what, like, you know, than like, then yeah. having to go like, who, you know, what's, what's going on? Like, yeah. I actually agree with you there, Ron. I, that's actually something I didn't even really think of myself. I think like there are different pubs that operate at different scales that be able to pay guys stand at the bar or stand at the door, count people on the way in or stand at the, the loose, but your smaller pub, like, Welsh's for, Welsh's, for example, yeah. Yeah. prime example, like, are they going to be able to pay a lad 150 quid to stand on the door to count people in and count people out? Yeah. Are they going to be able to pay another person, eight, what's the minimum wage, 10 quid, 10 something an hour? Yeah, if, yeah. They're, if, they're, if they're under 18, it's eight quid an hour or whatever it is. Are they going to be able to pay someone like to stand in front of the toilet and count in and count out and then clean the place after 20, no, minutes, 20 minutes? But also to make sure that those people have washed their hands. Yeah, well... I don't think that they're able to do that, but I think part of the thing is that wash your hands. There'll be signs everywhere. Like people need to. We're in. We're unfortunately. I'll just say here. I want to smell the hand soap. I think we're in a world. I actually think. I actually think you're right because. Get back in. Get back in there. Watch those grubby fuckers. Because we had. uh, We have um, in Waterford. There was a a shopping centre that was like refusing people if they didn't use the alcohol gel on the way in. You know, so. Maybe, maybe you are right. Maybe you are a le- like, I suppose there is the whole thing of like management has the right to refuse whatever admission or refuse entry or right, allowed to kick you out. out. Like, so maybe you are right. Maybe they're they sanitizer are. When they come out. Yeah. Maybe they are like, yeah. Yeah. But if people at this stage are getting the message to wash your fucking hands. They really are. Getting the fucking really, yeah, no, people, like- people are stupid. People are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> could also be the title of this episode. <laughs> People are stupid. jumped. <laughs> but, um, no, it'll be interesting to see. I really hope that my uh, Nostradamus-style prediction of doom is incorrect. Yeah. I just, I, ju- I just hope that, like, I want, I want to get back to the pub and have a couple of pints of Guinness and w- waiting for Janice to finish work or whatever. But when, I can't, it's unclear. There's like a fog there. I can't see. When I would personally feel it would be the safe and right thing for me to do, because yeah. I have family that are in the vulnerable category, and that's the reality of the situation. I would feel like anyone would probably feel absolutely fucking terrible if you were asymptomatic and you gave it to someone else and they weren't asymptomatic and they got a real bad dose. Like, how could you? How could you look at yourself in the mirror knowing that something you had done had contributed to that? Yeah, yeah. And and that's. That's just me. I'll happily drink cans at home on a Friday, Saturday, or whatever night. And, you know, I'm realistically saying end of August is probably the first time I'll probably in a pub properly. Um, after that. I, I'm with you, Win. Listen, lads, let's end our podcast on a more positive note anyway, right? Please. Give me your best beer of 2019. 2019? That's the first half of 2020. It doesn't feel like 2020, let's be honest. 2019, first half of 2020. You can't use Ace of, Ace of Hayes. Motherfucker. First half of 2020, I'm going with uh, Four Provinces, Dark Mild. Yes, I'd agree with that. 
latter half 2019. God. Not just uh... I had some exceptional beers in England. <laughs> I have a shocking memory, so I can't think back that far. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I had a couple of Cloudwater double IPAs that were absolutely ridiculous. Actually, Track Sonoma on Cask in Manchester. Why don't you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that, that could be the episode title as well. <laughs> don't tell you, you can rely on me. Uh, but so, well, it, it's just a rock solid pale ale, 3.8%, but it's just it was more to do with the, the people I was with at the time and, and everything like that. It's maybe not... But the that's, best that's, beer I've had, but it's the beer I enjoyed the most. But that's yeah. that's a lot of what we experience through beer. It's mm. not it's not the beer that we drink. It's the beer that we drink. It's the people we drink the beer with. Yeah, yeah, agreed. My, my, I, my mine is going to be the same. It's it's definitely memory based. I'm not even sure it's going to be the best beer, but like definitely Super Soaker. I just it just brings back so many really good memories. Like I think it was that whole experience of like being like. Oh my God, it does taste like a super split, you know? <laughs> and then just like all those, all those, just, I don't know, just pretty much like drinking the end, like an entire keg of it out of a place. Um, there was just, yeah, just so many memories of the whole thing. Like, what I think as well, like the thing that, the thing that Super Soakers I associate with is, is the first time we met Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast. We, we had a six cans of Super Soaker on the train up to Kilkenny that day. And, uh, it's just a great fucking memory because Finn is an absolute podcast idol for me. Like, and we we just went on a lash with him and talked shit and ended up talking about like Rasputin roast beer and fucking Joseph Mary Plunkett on the Raz together. Like, you know, and it just ended up being this mad, mad fucking day. Um, I, yeah, Jesus, do you know what? The virtual beer festival is to blame for a lot of this, but I, I'd give a shout out to, um, oh, Jesus, the name of it's gone for me. Uh, is it Teeny Tiny? Is that the name of it? Yeah, from Dead Center Brewing. Um, that that's a savage beer. That's a savage, savage beer. Now, if you're talking about session with barbecue beers, uh, that stood out to me. Um, from the very first virtual beer festival that uh, Janice, you were you were at that, and Wayne I was, yeah. Wayne was traveling. Uh, he wasn't with us. Yeah, uh, I wasn't. But I w- I was very good, and I only drank the beer that we had before, and I kept ones we didn't taste together that's true love that's true love right? I, and that's the one i brought out the gin and right i think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna stop recording now lads and we'll have a, a casual can to to finish up our session uh after the recording but i just want to say um on, on behalf of myself and Owen, anyway thanks so much for your time guys it's been brilliant and i cannot wait to do a follow-up podcast in person like i, I just it's going to be some crack uh whether it's in lockies and navin or phil grinds and waterford or anywhere in between and i reckon if we went in with a laptop and a microphone he'd fucking chase us out with a zimmer <laughs> well no we we have the phone and we have the lapel mics you see it's very we're, we're a bit oh, sorry you guys you, you guys are total pros yeah. sorry i forgot that. the word i was going for it uh, it's exactly that. um so, so I think, like, uh, uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having us. It was great. Thanks for having us, lads. Well, look, this is the thing. And I actually said it to Wayne in, 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 in private messaging there a couple of weeks ago. I was like, like, I really want to meet you guys for these points in person because, like, I fucking enjoy the podcast, the blog, fucking the, the, the social media can so much. Um, speaking of social media, you can catch Wayne and Janice on at, the, uh, at Irish Beer Snob and at Mrs. Beer Snob on the Twitter. Um, go and follow them. They're great. Come to follow. Really enjoy it. 
Um, and as well, just from us, I suppose you can get us on the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Snowcast and all of those. And just to reiterate what we've been saying the last while, like we have the Patreon, if you're interested in that, patreon.com forward slash Snowcast. But most important at this point in time, if you have a few pounds to spare, uh, think about those who, 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 who are really fucked at this moment in time. Um, there are food banks out there, uh, like, honest to God, my local alley now has, has a basket for the Waterford Food Bank. And um, look, fuck it. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't affect my daily living if I spend an extra 10, 15 quid on food to give to the less fortunate, especially at this um, time uh, after a global pandemic. So um, if, if you're in a shop, and you can donate to your local food bank, please do. Or if you have a couple of pounds to give to the likes of Barnados or any of those kind of um, charities, please do at this moment in time because they need it. And if you don't have those few, spare few pounds, uh, just be sound anyway. Uh, that's not too much to ask for anyone. And enjoy uh, local craft beer, independent brewing. Uh, if you're in a pub after lockdown has uh, eased, just fucking ask, just ask. Is there anything local? And try it. It won't fucking kill you. Um, but we're all about the inclusivity. Uh, Owen, any parting word for the listeners? It won't kill you. The old beer. Use hand sanitizer. Use uh, yeah, yeah. No, not using hand sanitizer will kill you. Yeah. Drinking independent craft beer will not kill you. Yeah, yeah. Don Draper of the uh, yes. advertising world right there. There you go. Uh, lads, that's been this week's Snowcast. It's been a fucking pleasure. I really enjoyed this one, Owen. And uh, we're driving. Slaunch lads. Uh, this is do you know what this is the big fucking thing that I miss about pre fucking COVID is the podcast hasn't had a clip. Whoa, whoa, we sh- whoa, whoa. <laughs> they just they've just ruined it. <laughs> I was just gonna say we haven't had a glass clink in fucking ages. Go on, lads, you're in the same room. Louder. Don't break me glass. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh listen, lads, slaunch it, take care and stay away from yourselves. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 